1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, rugby fans, and welcome to episode 29 of the DNVR Raptors podcast. I'm Colton Strickler. I'm really excited about the show we have for you guys today. we you participated in the DNVR Watches event this weekend. We watched the uh, Saturday, we watched the Raptors defeat Rugby United New York from 2019, and then we watched the May 4th game where the Raptors defeated the Utah Warriors 64 to 22, I believe the final score was. Um and I know on Saturday there was a lot of a uh, lot of attention on the on the broadcasters on the on the commentary in that match. Um, so I, I did my due diligence. I reached out to Down Stanford who was uh, doing play by play on that match. Um, and I got him on the show today, and we had a really good conversation. Talked for about forty minutes about about really a bit of everything. Um, what he's doing during quarantine, what he's doing. Uh, just about his bro, his broadcasting career, his rugby career. Super interesting guy. He's got a relationship with PFT commenter from Barstool Sports. Talked to him about that with him a little bit. It was just a good conversation all around, Um, so I know you guys are looking for a little more down in your life. I'm happy to provide that. Um, So before we jump into that conversation, I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update on what's been going on with the Raptors in this MLR 2020 virtual tournament. Uh, So Mika and Blake, Mika Crusade and Blake Rogers, who have been the player representatives for the Raptors in this tournament, um, picked up a big win on Saturday over San Diego Legion. I mean, with that victory, put them in the playoffs. So they're in the, the winner's bracket playoffs. So they'll play again on Thursday at 3 p.m. Mountain Time. Um, they'll be playing Old Glory D.C. If they win that, they'll play either Austin or New Orleans for the final on Saturday. So, And I think if they lose, they're just out. So that's been what's going on with them. Um, not a whole lot to update on that side of things. Um. As as we can, we, if we want to jump into recaps of the games of the over the weekend, um, that's something that we can do on tomorrow's show or Wednesday Wednesday show maybe. Um, and then obviously keep a lookout for my top ten Raptors matches pieces that have been putting out twice a week. So, um, just kind of as we move move through the week, I'll, I'll touch more on that. What's been going on on the weekend? So. Um, I guess with that, I won't waste any more of your time because we got a, a pretty lengthy interview. So with that, we'll jump into my conversation with world rugby commentator and former USA Sevens player Dallan Stanford. All right, now we welcome onto the show world rugby commentator and former USA Sevens player Dallan Stanford. down how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great, thanks, Colton. Despite the uh, circumstances, uh, at least uh, all safe and healthy this side. Uh, and yourself, my friend?
1: Yeah, stay, staying healthy, trying to stay sane, locked in the house. Uh, so, yeah, that was going to be my first question, down how are you holding up out in Los Angeles, right? Is that where you're based?
0: Yes, that's right. Exactly. Yes. I, I will say we're really lucky that the weather is is, is, is is fairly nice, you know, so that certainly helps, you know, so able to get outside for a little run in the neighborhood um, and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Can't go to the beach anymore and do any of those kind of things, but uh, definitely, you know, s- spending a lot of time watching watching some interesting shows on TV and, uh, uh, you know, trying to look for ways to keep busy, I suppose, work-wise as well, because, you These days, uh, about eighty percent of my uh, my jobs were broadcasting related, um, commentary particularly. So, of course, with no events and no competitions on the go, it's uh, it's pretty quiet. You know, Mm -hmm. I still do a little bit of consulting uh, for a rugby company, uh, Premiership Rugby, out of the UK. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're linked with a non profit here called Friends of British Council, so I'm helping that relationship. And we're meant to actually send a group of fifty US coaches to um, get a a higher level certification in the UK Uh, this this April actually so now um, but uh, we'd obviously have to push that to the full or when it's safe to do so you know uh, so definitely trying, trying to keep busy with that
1: yeah no I, I was talking because Jamie Burke was one of the, the coaches that got the this year didn't she
0: yes that's absolutely right that, yes yeah, so yes I, I was I'm chatting actually, with really her
1: excited. yeah I was chatting yeah. with her about that uh, kind of before this whole thing uh, went off the rails so that's unfortunate though but I'm sure it'll be it'll be an awesome experience for them when that finally happens um, so yes. I know you mentioned you watching some, some shows. What, what are you kind of doing to pass the time? What, what kind of shows are you been watching?
0: Yeah, good point. So, um, well, well, firstly, I will say I was doing a bit of a neighborhood commentary. Uh, there's a guy out of the U.K. that I know that put out these brilliant uh, – he went viral uh, doing this Nick Nicky. And uh, so I just, you know, I've got a million different people sending me the the uh, message and that what he had done. Said you got to do something like this. So I had a couple of random neighbors uh, do a couple of things. So I just commented them for a little bit. So that definitely it was uh, was something to keep honing the skills, right? <laughs> I did. I did uh,
1: see a little bit of that.
0: <laughs> there we go. But that uh, shows, wise the um, the popular one that everybody has seen recently. We really enjoyed that. My wife and I, Tiger King. Oh yes, uh, <laughs> that was absolutely crazy. Uh, the other one, actually, reality TV show. I don't watch a lot, but my wife's quite into it, and uh, she got me onto this one. We watched 90 Day Fiance. We've seen one season of it. I don't know if you've watched it, but the premise basically is somebody from another country has uh, arrives in the U.S. Um, and starts dating somebody, and has 90 has a 90 day visa, and at the end of that time period, they to to stay in the country, they need to get married if if it's legitimate, wow. right? So, uh, obviously, some relationships fall apart within the first few <laughs> days. Um, but, yeah, no, it's a, it's a complete train wreck, which is great. Yes. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, outside of that, obviously, you're just watching a, uh, you know, a lot of Netflix and even went back and watched all three of the Matrix, uh, the trilogy and oh stuff boy, like that. Oh, yeah. Know?
1: Yes, <laughs> digging back. I've been trying to do the same thing. I, I do think my mom actually is watching that show, though. The more you're talking about it, the, the more oh, familiar yes, it sounds. Yeah,
0: yeah, so, so – there are apparently nine seasons, right? We just jumped in randomly on one one of them, season four, I think it was. And it was that enthralling. We actually turned it on to a few other friends that also don't really watch a lot of reality TV, but they were like, okay, we can see why you enjoyed it. Um, I won't give much away, but what I will say about it is there is a, there are a couple of cliffhangers. So the season is finished, right? So then we just go online, what well, my wife does, because she wants to dive deep into, <laughs> into what these people are up to now. Right. And uh, yeah, there are some crazy stories post what those people got up to. So all I'm going to say is it's, You got a couple of hours. uh, Definitely knock it out.
1: I think we all have a couple hours to watch some TV right now. So
0: exactly.
1: (laughs) I'm sure we all appreciate the recommendations. All right. So, Don, what's the first thing you're doing uh, post quarantine when the ban is lifted and you can go back outside?
0: Uh, That's a very good question. Well, I just the simple things. I mean, my wife and I were talking about it just being able to go to a store right whether right. it's a grocery store or, or anywhere to just be, be go in and physically go grab something because we're we've been relying on ordering all our food to be delivered and stuff like that so we haven't really we haven't gone anywhere mm-hmm. so that would probably be great but also i think like to go to the beach you know being in la just to kind of get some real fresh air um and uh, play a bit of beach rugby right so that would probably yeah. be the first activity i would say i would just be itching to to get out and uh throw a regular ball around you know so I think that's probably the first thing you, yourself have you thought about?
1: What you're oh doing? man I, i've been trying to ask people this but i think it is going to be like roughly the same thing just going yeah. to have a drink somewhere and watch yeah. a, a game of, of basketball game or something sounds very yeah. lovely right now totally
0: i hear you
1: yeah so mm-hmm. I, I guess too you're I, I mean just based off what i know you're you're on the go quite a bit i know you travel a lot i know you said um, a lot of a lot of your incomes from broadcasting and you broadcast a lot of these big events so this kind of got to be driving you crazy, right? Have you ever been stuck in the house for this long?
0: No, never. So I actually, um, before this call, you, uh, I knew that we'd talk a bit about, you know, major rugby, talk a bit about the sevens maybe. But it's kind of funny. Looking at my schedule, uh, before quarantine, it was busy every single weekend going to a state, sometimes two different states to commentate, you know, different games, Right. Uh, all the way till till June. And then, of course, there'll be playoffs and everything else like that. And then the rest of the year with other stuff. So it's so crazy that you know i, I finished the vancouver 7s and mm-hmm. my wife and i actually had our had our masks and everything when we flew back because we were a little bit you know nervous and so we had our gloves on as well and that was uh, 9th of march we flew back to la and normally obviously every single weekend i'd be prepping for stuff ahead of time and uh, it Obviously, everything is shut down, even even, you know, the Hong Kong and Singapore sevens, which was meant to happen now this month, which is postponed to October. Again, we're not not, no one's certain that's going to take place. Right. Right. And so um, that that really is a is a, you know, definitely a financial strain. But also, you know, as you said, a sanity thing, right, you're if you do something you love and you're passionate about it. And that's amazing, right? That's the ultimate. I'm, I'm lucky to be in that position. Um, but then, not really being able to work on that stuff all the time for a long period of time is is, is certainly tough. Certainly, um, it's, it, it's certainly you know it's, it's certainly been, it's been really nice to be home, though. You know, spend more time with the family and that sort of stuff. Um, but at the same time as you pointed out you really can't go out and do anything you know so right. the, the the virtual kind of game night and the virtual chatting up with friends that has definitely uh, that's increased which has been pretty cool yeah. um but but as you said physically seeing somebody um is is has been tricky
1: right yeah and i know just based on the mlr world just from what i was doing with with the raptors and stuff it's going seriously from 100 mile hours down to zero in the matter yes. of one day and it's been yeah. really, it's been hard to adapt but We're we're chugging along.
0: Yeah. Now, saying that with the Raptors, you're right. So I'm really thankful that um, uh, the Raptors actually were the ones that gave me my first opportunity to get into broadcasting and commentating back in about 2012. Uh Um, But it's really nice. I do some remote um, uh, shows for them, the Raptors Weekly. And so that's been nice because uh, each week I've gone to, we have there's a green screen in LA um, and it's kind of, we have a system. So I knock on the door, it's unlocked. I go in, I go into the studio, the green screen, the guy who's recording and doing it, he's in another room. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, we just, uh, we, we, we knock out the Raptors weekly episodes like that, you know, and then of course they edit it back at, at head office in Colorado. So yeah. at least there's been some rugby stuff we able to work on uh, major league rugby-wise. Yeah,
1: I keep you sane just a little bit, all right?
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah,
1: so I'm glad you kind of brought that up. Could, could you kind of tell us about your broadcasting career? And and I guess to, to preface this, so with with DNVR, I've been trying to go back through the last three years and pick out um, some of the top 10, 10 games that I thought. I asked Luke White, I asked a couple of the players, I asked a few of the people on the staff, and I think I put together a pretty good list. And so we're, we've been doing these virtual watch parties these last two weekends, and yesterday yeah. was, the, was the match against the Utah Warriors from last May, and it was the, the match that... Uh, Raptors scored 64 points, Robbie Petzer I think scored 34 of those points. Um, and, and so I'm, the, the whole point of it is just try to get some new people into the, into the game, um, obviously there's nothing else going on right now, so this is, uh, this is about as good a time as any to go back through some of these these top Raptors matches of the last three years and, and watch some of them. And I knew once that people watched this match in particular, because I watched it earlier in the week, that they were going to love your commentary, Dallin, and that's exactly what happened. And so I got flooded with requests to have you on the show uh, today. And so I, I wanted to ask you all about your broadcasting career, um, your rugby career uh, as well, and just just kind of get to know how you call a game. So it, with that, can can you kind of just tell us how you got started in the in the broadcasting game?
0: Yes, absolutely. Firstly, thank you for 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 doing what you're doing and showing those. Th- you know the games from the archives because again there's just such great content out there and so many brilliant games that have been played um and and you're right uh, it's a it's really cool for folks to see that that haven't watched that so really appreciate that and i was wondering what was going on initially because i got all these messages on twitter and i'm like what is happening and then i saw your message oh yes we're previewing this we're watching this game (laughs) currently so that was was great um yeah so the the broadcasting side of things um uh, i'll go into that ahead of the playing um I've always been fascinated in media and marketing and, and being you know on, on both sides of the camera, I suppose. And so back in the day, I studied uh, a marketing degree in South Africa where, where I grew up in Cape Town. And I was always kind of interviewing my teammates and just being you know very talkative about even playing touch rugby. People, to this day, people say that's, they knew I'd be a commentator because I'd commentate <laughs> the game while I was playing. Um, and so that's kind of where it probably started out. My mother is gifted with a gab, so she's the one that talks nonstop, so that's probably where I got it from, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, my earliest memory, I suppose, uh, as in the commentary world is probably when I was about like 10 or 11 years old or or, or that age. Um, My grandfather had a VHS tape, so that's dating back in the day, (laughs) of 101 tries, and most of the tries are out of the UK, you know, the... the, uh, the, the British Isles sides, and then some featured some South African teams as well. And I remember listening to Cliff Morgan commentate, and I knew I only had that tape. I would no other rugby to watch, right? As a young kid, so I right. watched this tape so many times that I could recite the commentary with the sound down when the tries came up, and I do recall that uh, as my earliest memory, you know. So anyway, yeah. Q4 cu- yeah, to about 2012 when I was uh, uh, fully retired from international and uh, domestic. Uh, rugby um uh, also i got a chance for the raptors to do some sideline work i uh, commentated a, a couple of the i think i don't, I don't know if it was a prp uh pacific rugby premiership or whatever the raptors were playing in the competition commentated mm-hmm. a few of the games as a sideline analyst and then i got a chance to do some color uh commentary and that's the second voice the person that comes in that just gives some strategy and and explains uh uh, uh why things happened and then because the, I really wanted to be the play-by-play commentator which mm-hmm. is the person that talks you know the right. during the live action yeah exactly so finally they put me in that role after a couple games and yeah it's been a, an, an absolute dream to do it it's been a learning experience every single game right there are little things you want to tweak or improve on and um, I've been really blessed to be able to work with some unbelievable broadcasters through World Rugby and the Sevens World Series. Yeah. Um, even got a chance to go to, which is a dream, dream, personal dream for me to go commentate at the Rugby World Cup. Um, so that was uh, last year. Um, and to work alongside Joel Stransky, who's a, a not only a South African legend, um, but uh, somebody I grew up watching in South Africa, but is you know world famous around the world. So, all those experiences have really kind of molded into a full-time career. I love doing sevens and I love doing fifteens. Both bring different things. Um, I suppose sevens is – I'm more suited for sevens because it's a shorter game so you can keep the energy up and, you know, you can throw in a few one-niners here and there. (laughs) But fifteens is just as entertaining, particularly, you know, like you said, that Raptors game when they're scoring a brace of tries, it really – the energy can come out pretty easily, you know. Um, So that's, I suppose, a a little bit about the commentary side of it. Um, You had another question, right, about –
1: yeah, well, I have a bunch yeah. of questions I can yes. jump into, yeah. too. I just wanted to yes. kind of jump back. So you're saying just kind of jump starting around with Glendale in 2012. So that I've been around the club in some capacity. I played uh, my high school rugby. Glendale had an academy team back when I was a junior and senior. So that was uh, 2011, 2012. So, yeah, you have just kind of been like the voice f- for rugby to me. And I- I've known for a while that you just, you're electric on the microphone. You You always are making me laugh, but you are always are. Um, just you just call a good game, and I knew once people saw the game yesterday, because um, that first try I think it was the the John Ryberg, and they loved the the his mom Susan sent me a Facebook, They loved that, and that was uh, I knew once people saw that that they were gonna they were gonna love you. So that's why I had to bring it up. So yeah, you've kind of been that that voice for rugby for me for a while, and I wanted to make sure that um, other people learned about you. So I guess kind of like piggybacking off that with with these jokes and. And this research how do you do this research how has it just come from talking to other people some players on the team how, how do you prepare to call a match
0: yes great question so the, the uh, some people you know when they find out that i commentate rugby and they're like oh so do you only work two hours a week or whatever you know you two games you four hours a week i go no no the actual calling of the game that is like the 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 end of you know an eight to ten hour prep you know mm-hmm. uh, f- f- ahead of that game um and so I'll give you the average week. So let's say, um, you know, today's Monday and and the Raptors are playing somebody at home this weekend coming. Um, I'd reach out to both coaches, um, coaches of both sides, um, send them, uh, you know, a a couple of standards, some standard questions, but also some questions that are unique to their performance the week before. to get a bit of insight. Sometimes, um, they are happy to do a phone call and you get some insight from the coaches. Otherwise the email information is, is sometimes good as well. Mm -hmm. And then, then, you know, the squad is tricky because sometimes the teams don't announce their 23-match roster until late in the week. But I generally prep, prep for, you know, the team that played the previous week. And if there are any injuries, then I'll take those players out, right? Each right. player each player generally submits a bio-information sheet. Sometimes they don't do anything. That's when I have to go online and scound around and see what I can find <laughs> about that player. Um, and, and what I tend to look for also is that, again, there's a bunch of standard. Facts, right? So they're like, okay, you know, fullback, uh, uh, you know, let's say Johnny Ryberg, winger, you know, he went to this university, scored this many tries, and you know, is this old? And that stuff's fine. You have to say that because that's, you know, educating the audience about the player. Right. But if there is anything unique you can find, that's when it really starts to help if you know the players. So for example, like that Johnny Ryberg Facebook, that was a real thing. His mother Susan <laughs> sent me a Facebook request, and I'm like, who's Susan Ryberg? I'm like, oh, you know, go online, I find out. You know, i was like, oh, that's his mom. And so, like, that little bit of in, inside information obviously can be gold if you use it at the right time. Right. So then what I would do is I'd write that down on my notes under his name. And so if he does something special and the time is right, then maybe that's a good time to bring it in. And what I will say is sometimes, you know, when you're starting out, you know, sometimes like if I would force a line, then it doesn't really sound as, you know, as natural. So... Over the years, you get to kind of hone that skill. Um, when is the right time to pull something? And they don't always work, but when they do, then at least it's quite memorable and, and entertaining for the players too. Um, and that always brings me a smile. Is when you chat to a player and they're like, "Oh, I really enjoyed this one thing you said about me," or when you totally lied and I said I ate a salad once. Like yeah, that was the one that came to mind. Yeah,
1: right. I was thinking of that one. Like, oh, Luke White ate a salad once.
0: Yeah. So I suppose also with lack of information, sometimes you have to be creative. And I try to, you know bring some you know bring some bring some light to some humorous things uh and so that 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 too is is just being creative you know so one-liners and those kind of comments some of them you just on the spur of the moment something seems right and it kind of just works other times you can prepare for it for example like if you're commentating a sevens game and you know what sally's playing you know he's going to step somebody or step three people in a row or whatever it is right so you know that at some point in time, you can pull out a line if you have a line on that player, uh, and you can use that, and it would be be generally well-received, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly.
1: I, I mean, I can tell that you do your research, just even in, going back to that Utah game from yesterday, you're calling uh, Mickey Bateman the, the kitchen mouse, I think, and, and I know a lot of people on Twitter were like, what does that mean? And I had to be <laughs> like, oh, he he makes all their food, like, he is a yes. chef. <laughs> he yes. prepares Correct. all yes. the meals, <laughs> yeah, so... Exactly, Yeah, That's it's right. like, you do your research, and, and I think people... Uh, people appreciate that. They appreciate the jokes and stuff. And then, and then another question I had about broadcasting, um, one that you you might have already answered, just because when you were talking about the World Cup. But um, I guess going back to that World Cup, is that is that your proudest accomplishment in the booth is is calling the World Cup with Joel Stransky?
0: Yeah, I would say I would say the. So So getting on the Sevens World Series was, was a very special moment for me because of AI, I really love the Game of Sevens and mm-hmm. I love the Sevens World Series and, and how it's formulated and goes to all these amazing countries. And to get a chance to play for the USA on that stage was that was the ultimate dream come true for me as a player. Mm-hmm. And something I never thought actually was uh, possible because I did not know when I came to the US, that that you know, if I was a, if I became a citizen, I would be an eligible to play for the U.S. because I hadn't played for South Africa. I didn't even know that was a, a rule, uh-huh. and so. So that in itself was was um, was was really special, and then having my parents watch you know me play on the on the series was fantastic. But as a broadcaster getting on the 7th, that was just amazing because then you know on the weekends I have my I really do miss obviously family and friends in South Africa. So when if I called a game on the weekend or tournament a uh, 7th tournament, they were all watching you were know, right. watching South Africa play. And often I was doing South African games uh, or the USA, and they, they would uh, comment or send me messages and say it was really cool to hear your voice, you know. Yeah, but then, that is brother, cool. Yeah, yeah, rugby World Cup. You're right. That was. I mean, when I got the message from World Rugby, I honestly didn't think it was real because I got a call from the producer saying, uh, and I thought he said, "You're in the in the pool for you know selection, meaning that you know there's yeah. obviously a ton of people you know they're looking at and they were choosing. Uh, you know, let's be fair. So if you go to the World Cup for your national team, you're one of you know probably 30 players in that squad, right? right. Well, with the commentary, you're one of four in your position, right? So there was. There, there are 12, 12 commentators hired, four on the sideline, four in the color role, and four in play-by-play, and that's by World Rugby, the, uh-huh. the, the, you know, the host broadcaster. And so, that, you know, to get in for that is pretty ridiculous and pretty mental. So that's the message I got, and I thought, okay, great. And then two months later, nothing happened, and I saw somebody that worked with the director, and uh, he told me, he said, oh, you must be really excited about Japan. I go, oh, yeah, absolutely, but I don't know if I'm going to be in or not, you know. But that sounds good. He goes, oh no, you're one of the four. <laughs> yeah, no, you already players. made it. <laughs> I was like what so anyway so that was yeah that was out of this world and then to find out that I was paired up with Joel Stransky was just ridiculous so Colton how's this? so as a random fan story for you in South Africa rugby world cup 1995 finally uh-huh. South Africa is out of isolation able to take part in international sport yeah um I, I I was uh, standard eight, so that uh, sixteen years old. Um, you know, two years ago, you in, in final in high school, mm-hmm. and we went and get, it was a Thursday afternoon. The opening game of the rugby world cup was South Africa against Australia, so it was the the defending champions against the hosts. And we had to check into our high school and take a pair of like extra clothes because we all wear uniforms back then. Right. So we changed into these city clothes, and myself and three best mates, we. Uh, We checked into the home class and then off we went. We went to Newlands Rugby Garden, which is a five-minute walk away from our high school in Cape Town, and went and packed out Newlands, 45,000 fans, and watched South Africa um, beat Australia. Uh, and David Campisi getting run around, and he was famous back in the day, and still now, but yeah. um, getting run like a parked car, and so winning, so that was just unbelievable. Anyway, Joel Stransky was the fly half, right, and obviously went on to win the World Cup with a, right. his famous drop goal, so to work with him was just absolutely ridiculous. We also had Santiago Gomez-Core on the sideline, who, when I was playing sevens, Santi was the top try scorer of all time on the the World Series. Yeah. He held that record for many years, so um, it was it was certainly just an honor to be with these guys.
1: That's crazy. That is like I feel like that's stuff that that people dream about. That's a, yes, that's exactly. an awesome story. Yeah, and yeah. so just
0: quickly to come full circle, so then how random is this i i messaged uh, uh, joel and uh, and his wife to see how they're doing during this time because sarah is in lockdown as well yeah and straight away he facetimed me and we we're chatting catching up and uh he's like listen Delamart, so you did a couple of neighborhood commentary let me uh, you know he goes we we can't even go onto the road and cycle because he's a keen cyclist he goes but i'll set up a course at my house and i'll send you the clip and you can commentate that so he did i was like oh that's, funny. <laughs> that's perfect
1: that's so <laughs> fun. yes that's yeah, that's i love to hear that. that's awesome stuff so cool. And then I guess, can we jump back into your playing career a little bit? Do you mind telling us about um, just kind of how, when you came over to the States, a couple of the clubs that you played for and just kind of your, your path to the USA team?
0: Yes, absolutely. So I finished university in South Africa and I came over as kind of like a, um, a, a gap year, I suppose, in between deciding what I wanted to do work-wise, right? So I came here on a six month holiday visa in 2003. Mm-hmm. I knew one person in Los Angeles He was this African guy that went to my university. He had finished a year before me, and he was playing rugby um, socially at this team called the Occidental Old Boys in Los Angeles. So so before I came out, though, he introduced me to the head coach who happened to be South African, was about 10 years older than us, and he was heavily involved in rugby here in America, and he randomly went to my same high school that I went to. So that was (laughs) just a weird coincidence. His name is James Walker. James Walker is well-known these days and, and obviously back in the day, but I'm saying if you mention James Walker's name, he's the guy that founded Tiger Rugby, right. um, and he's been involved with many different national championship sides. So, But I met James in South Africa. He came over before my trip, and I was like, okay, this is legitimate, this is real. As long as I have somebody to stay and play with rugby, that'll be a great six-month holiday in the U.S. Yeah. And so, yeah, I did that. And, and the big thing I found... Um, it was like a division two club so the 15 aside game was you know was was a bit uh, a, a bit tricky mm-hmm. um, but we did a seven aside season where we went to all these wonderful different locations And for me as a foreigner like i couldn't believe it we played a sevens tournament called the midnight sevens in las vegas mm-hmm. we went to san diego we went to santa barbara we went all over playing sevens and it was a good quality sevens we had a great team we did really well so that really kind of like uh, excited me again in the game of rugby, particularly sevens, because in South Africa, we would do one tournament a year, and that mm-hmm. was it, even, even though it was, you know, it, people loved it so much. So they actually randomly got me a visa. Now, this is another full-circle story. Two gentlemen got me, uh, helped me, from that rugby club, got me a visa to come back uh, for a year and a half. And that year and a half visa was a J-1 uh, work visa, so I could work for a company. And the company I was to work for was a broadcasting company that was, that did rugby back in the day on Fox, and the people behind it was two German, one called Patrick Guthrie and one called Matthew Brown.
1: Oh yeah, Fast I know to, those today, names. Today,
0: <laughs> today, those two names, and I—they are the ones that got me involved at the Raptors in 2012, yeah. and I currently currently still work for. So it's kind of kind of crazy that they were mem- members of the Occidental All Boys Rugby Club. Yeah, and were, you know, playing there as well, and I played with them for a couple seasons. They got me here, and so when I came on that second visa, that's when I met my wife to be, and ended up. Decided to stay in the U.S. Um, we, we, you know, we were becoming serious, and so we actually got married uh, the following year. Much yeah. to, you know, I told my parents, "Listen, this is kind of crazy, but um, <laughs> we'll do a proper wedding ceremony in South Africa," which we did the following year. And so um, to wind the story up about playing, so I played for the Oxy Tigers, who then merged with Belmont Shaw. Mm-hmm. So Belmont Shaw, with big, the big team here, um, on back out of uh, San Diego, uh, were national championship side, Sevens 15s, mm-hmm. and Belmont Shaw as well. So in, in 15s. So I joined Belmont Shaw with James Walker as one of the coaches, and a lot of our Oxy players came across as well. And we went to this thing called, um, we're still today, obviously, but the National Sevens uh, uh, tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know, like, you know, anything about it. Um, then we were 16, one of 16 teams, and we went out. And the first day, we, uh, you know, beat a couple of well known sides with a lot of Eagles in their teams. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up coming fit in the tournament, and so we lost one game, which was the quarters. So Al Caravelli gave me a call afterwards and said he wanted to buy me to the USA Sevens trials. And I was like, well, thank you so much, Al, but you know, I'm South African, and I really appreciate that. That's that's really nice, you know. But mm-hmm. I honestly you know, can't go. And so he was like, no, hold on, you married, and you you would have been in the country for three years by the time the next World Series starts, so you're eligible if you make the team. So that's kind of how <laughs> I got started on that journey. Um, and the guys I kind of went to trials for the first time was a whole bunch of new players because Al just became the head coach. So a guy like takudzwa ngwenya you know, was a teammate of mine, and he, mm-hmm. and he, he wasn't but he wasn't particularly burning people then. And then all of a sudden. He gets into the lead environment, right, and then he rounds Brian and Banner at the World Cup in two thousand and seven. Right. You know, so that was kind of how I got started uh, on on the series, um, and then I played for about three years for the US and went all over the world, which is a remarkable time. We back then, though, we were only invited to three tournaments: the US, and we mm-hmm. were to core side. So we did our own tournament. Uh, we did New Zealand, the Wellington Sevens, which is a great party vibe yeah. um, for the fans, and then uh, Hong Kong, which is the ultimate, right?
1: Yes, and, and, and then the it,
0: follow. The following year, sorry, Rep, we were invited into six tournaments because we did really well. We had guys like Chris Wiles on our side, Todd Clever, um, uh, what Matt Hawkins, the Polar Bear, and yeah. Taku, and a few, few, few other folks. And then in my third and final season, we were uh, became a core side and we were invited to all eight tournaments. Back then, it was eight around the world, uh, and, and and we also did the the Sevens World Cup.
1: Nice, yeah. So that, I mean, that's awesome. You, you have lived an interesting life, and I was going to ask. So I think a lot of the people that that listen to the show really don't know that much about rugby. So I was going to ask if you could try to put in words what what the Hong Kong Sevens is like.
0: Yes, good point. So the Hong Kong Sevens, let's let's say it's like the Super Bowl in that it's the one event you want to go to if you let's say you're a big football fan, right? Yeah. But but it's um Hong Kong Sevens. Probably best to describe it is that it's such a social gathering that the fans are so jolly and happy to be there There, there's one section of the crowd called the south stand which is infamous for being the party zone Mm -hmm. every single person is dressed up in theme that side it's a three-day tournament so it's extended and it's just such a festival uh, uh, vibe and after the tournament or after each day everybody leaves right and then goes to uh, a a couple of different areas that they have you know Thirty or forty bars in a row, mm-hmm. and the party continues. So it's just such a great vibe. And, and again, it's it's obviously everyone's there for the rugby, but they're just there for the social element of it as well. Right. And, and the reason why Hong Kong, I suppose, is the ultimate is because it um, has hosted many of the big seven tournaments back in the day. Um, their stadium is very iconic, with fireworks shooting out the top. You know, when it's done, it's. Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully I described it a little bit justice there, but yeah, it, it is the the one. When everyone talks about Sevens World Series, people want to either play or go there uh, and and kind of experience that atmosphere. It really is unlike anything I've ever seen.
1: Right. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. I think that that uh, that does a good job of explaining what what that means just to to rugby people. So. Um, but,
0: but, but what I will say also quickly here, Colton, is that yeah. the nice thing is that we have our own leg, our own stop in the series, and it, it obviously has moved from Las Vegas to Los Angeles. Right. And so, the newer r- rugby fans or anybody looking to to see what the difference between sevens and fifteens, um, I urge them each year when that tournament does come around to to try get out to it because it is it really is amazing to see these international teams play against each other live right in front of you. And the great thing about sevens is that. It's such a such a diverse game. You've got Kenya, you know, playing New Zealand. The next thing right. you've got Fiji playing Samoa, and then USA. So all these different countries playing, and it's much easier to understand rugby by watching the game of sevens. Um, you know, it's less technical, uh, less number of people, and quicker game. Uh, so and and it's a good vibe, a good atmosphere to enjoy yeah. and and certainly people that can even explain it if you need it.
1: For sure, I th- I think that too. I think the, a lot of the people that I've gotten rugby into have started with sevens and have really enjoyed it. I mean, I know right. I played in the in the small sevens tournament outside of the uh, the USA one in, in Las Vegas yes. and yes. played in that a couple times. So I've, I've been to the Vegas one a few times and it was always a great time. And um, yeah, like you said, just a super unique environment and, and just a great place to, to get into the game. So
0: yes exactly and we have rugby town sevens coming up yes hopefully. if that does happen i was going to say sorry you, that's on my calendar you know i'm hoping it would, would take place in end of august but that one is just also a great domestic yeah. tournament and one of the best quality ones there is uh, in north america
1: yeah that's i agree with you i'm hoping for the same that's uh, one of my favorite tournaments every year i love going to that mm-hmm. um so i know uh, if you have if the people listening haven't gathered by now down is a pretty busy guy but Thought we'd get the chance to ask him some a uh, couple questions about MLR real quick while we had him on the line. So, um, so with that, Sal, and I know you're we pretty busy, but um, what did what, you kind of think of, of the Raptors, the short Raptors season that they had? What, just kind of the, the trajectory at the end um, seemed to me like they were really getting it turned around and were really kind of finding their bearings. I, I was just wondering what you thought about all that.
0: Yeah, so so my initial impressions. I, I went out there for a couple of days before the season started and did a little media thing with the squad. It was really nice to see a, a different atmosphere and different vibe. I suppose mm-hmm. uh, excitement and uh, you know from the young players and also just enjoying that enjoying each other, right? That team kind of camaraderie was starting to build, which is great. The, the, the tricky part I will say for the Raptors, of course, is that. By bringing in a bunch of new players, you still have to play a few games to get used to each other, right? To get used right. to tendencies. And that can take can take a couple of games. It could take 10 games, right? So you don't really know that. So as a coach, it that's always tricky. Um, but you're right. They did they did start off fairly slow and just to adjust. But really, um, that first home game they had, um, I think they lost to Nola by about seven points. But actually scored on full-time underneath right. the polls, which, which was ruled a forward pass that was kind of close. Yeah, it was a tough um, they, call. They, Tough call. They started to put it together, and again, New Orleans is a great side with mm-hmm. so many talented players. So you're right. That I think was a turning point in the season. And then Utah. Utah has some tremendous players. I did a, I did a game of their theirs in Las Vegas when they they beat the uh, New England Free Jacks, and they had some excellent excellent uh, skillful players on their side. Um, and so to, to beat them was fantastic at home. And then of course we all know that you know the unbeaten arrows to take that side down. Um, you know was 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 absolutely brilliant. Right. So the, the, their trajectory. Um, was obviously you know improving from from game to game uh, a couple of players would be you know still were coming back you know i know one or two visas were still being held up so they were mm-hmm. only going to get stronger as the season progressed and let's be fair um, if you look at the legion they're same for them so probably would have come to a, a west a western final between uh, you know the, those two sides
1: yeah no the legion we get a up close and personal look at them in round two and they were an awesome side at, just all across the board and um I guess if we're if we're trying to look at bright sides, which I'm trying to do these days, uh, I guess that was a good win to end the season on against the Arrows. So um Yes.
0: <laughs> it, it was, it was, you know, and, and I really enjoyed, you know, players like um up front, uh, Zach Talafo, he was good. I like Chad Goff. Yeah. Uh, he, he he's been excellent. Of course Luke White leading by example. I mean, I would not want to get in that guy's way, the no. tallest Hobbit tallest Hobbit around the nicest guy off the field. Um <laughs> I thought um, just if you don't mind touching a few players, here, so yeah, Sam Slade, it. Sam Slade, yeah, he, you know, Sam Slade
1: he, was uh, had an awesome season. I he, he,
0: he was excellent, you know. And then in the backs, uh, I enjoyed both half backs. I I like Nick Boyer a lot, and I like Carla Donason as well. Really crisp yeah. passing, so that was really good. You do need in a lot of positions, you need a couple couple of players as well going through. And uh, right, uh, this the in the centres, of course, with Rene Ranger around, and uh, uh, Petzer I like a lot. Yeah, uh, and Chad London, you know, that's a really good group. And then of course, like. You've got creative players like that in Malifa as well. And then you've got a Ryberg on the wing who's just ridiculous to stop, you know? So right. I, I think they were they, they, it's a good core squad that they have. And, and I don't know who's obviously going to be here again next year. But either way, I think the Raptors definitely on the right track. And, and I also really like uh, Coach Pete Borliss and him bringing in uh, 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 Stephen Brett yeah. from uh, super, super Rugby Legendary uh, Times. Uh, that was really clever as well and so i, I obviously can't say good no, enough good things about about the raptors
1: yeah no i was excited about the way things were heading too and then you're right we'll just see yeah so i guess down the last thing i wanted to ask you was uh the last thing that i wrote for um MLR before I, I made the switch was a was an interview with pft commenter which is uh which is a guy that you have some familiarity with i was hoping that you could uh Explain your relationship with with the with PFT commenter a little bit, because he had some funny stuff to say about you.
0: Yes, he did. Okay, so so basically, this is kind of completely random, but uh, in terms of that, so I was I was living in Austin, Texas, for four years, and my wife, um, uh, she was uh, got a scholarship to go to UT uh, to do her masters, and so we went there for four years from Los Angeles, and that's when I got connected with the Austin rugby community, and honestly. Couldn't, couldn't say anything nicer about them. They were so nice and welcoming. And so I joined the team called the Austin Huns, mm-hmm. and they had a strong rivalry with the Austin Blacks, a lot of good players on both sides. We would play touch rugby in the summers, mixed between the two clubs, and, and that, was, that was great fun, right? So one of the players during the seventh season for the Austin Huns um, uh, uh, came out, and uh, you know he had long, scraggly hair. Um, and, and a couple couple of good moves, but a lot of new players, right? So we. Right. But I would also commentate when I'd play, as I told you. So I <laughs> yeah, commentate. no, that's why right.
1: I wanted yeah. to go back to yeah. that.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so he apparently met, remembered because he had a good step. So he got like he stepped me for a little bit, and then he thought he was away, but you know, you just turn around and you know, you can, <laughs> if you've got a few meters, you can catch somebody, right, with an right. angle. And so managed to catch him quickly, but was complimenting him the whole time in his play as a coach because I was coaching and playing, right? So that was kind of like the role. So um, he was just. Laughing about that, and then also, you know, saying some of the things like, Oh, he's just running like a parked car, or you know, (laughs) he's uh, gone down like a hot carry, or something. So, we we had some beers and had a good laugh. And who would have thought that this guy became world famous afterwards, you know? And uh, it was really, really, really great. The the fun things he had to say, and he's obviously a rugby fan and that sort of stuff, you know, while he does his football and everything else. Yeah. Uh, And so, that was really. Funny. So, over now and again, when I watch some of his, I see some of his posts. He's got like an Austin Huns rugby bag, or like yeah. some some stuff that he's ripped in the side. You know. So, uh, yeah, he's a he's a top man, Alex.
1: Yeah. So, uh, when, yeah. I, uh, when I when I was on the call with him, he he brought you up unprompted. So, I I, I was going to be my my final question to ask him too, and he brought you up without me having to ask him. So, um, oh, that's, that's a funny. testament to your work, now.
0: Uh, cheers, man. I appreciate that. That's <laughs> It's cool. It's just, it's funny how, how things work out in terms of that, you know, and yeah. the rugby the rugby community, you know. So that's that's brilliant.
1: Right. All right, down That's all the the questions I had for you. Thank you so much for your time today.
0: No, I appreciate everything you're doing, my friend. And also, I love that you are putting the rugby out to the to the masses while we have nothing to do for the next little while.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm doing my best. Awesome. Cheers, Colson. Cheers. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with world rugby commentator and former USA 7s player, Dallin Stanford. Um, if, if you can't tell based on that conversation, Dallin's a great guy. Super interesting life. So um, I'm glad he took some time out of his day to chat with me for a little bit. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you guys did too. I so just want to remind you um, any questions you may have about, about some of these matches that we've been watching over the weekend, be sure to send them in on Twitter at DNVR underscore Raptors. Send them to me at Colton Strickler. Um, I'll be sure to get those answered for you on the show. Um, and, and, and if you've been joining in and you're, and you're having a good time, make sure you let us know. If you haven't joined in, I'd highly recommend it. It's free. Um, all you need is a computer and, and a Twitter account. You don't even need a Twitter account. You can just watch it, but it's more fun to talk about it with somebody else. So... I'll I'll give you guys, I'll keep you guys updated on that as we kind of move throughout the week. I'll have another story up on Wednesday and then the next one on Friday. Uh, I'm still going to try to crank out some rugby 101 pieces because it seems like those are doing pretty well right now with all this rugby that we've been watching. Um, So, yeah, guys, that's my show. Thank you for listening. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you had a great Monday. Um, And I'll catch you later this week.